Hello, City Light Church. My name is Joe. I am one of the pastors here. And thank you to, for coming tonight. Tonight is our Good Friday gathering. And so uh, we are going to be talking about the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, you know, I am not sure of, of what your expectations were coming through the doors tonight. I'm not sure the posture of your heart as you came in tonight. But, but I, I just want to encourage you, and, and my prayer is, would this not be another religious service? Would this not be a time where, where we just think to ourselves, yes, Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, but then just kind of leave it there. We tend to know that phrase, we have that memorized, but, but the question is, does that mean something to us? And so tonight, I, I, I just want to encourage you, would you just sit in in what Christ did for us tonight? And would you look at this in a new light? My prayer is that as you leave, you would leave with a greater affection, a greater appreciation, and a greater passion for the Lord who sacrificed himself for us tonight. So we're going to be looking at one verse tonight, one single verse. And really, we're going to focus in on even just a single phrase that Jesus used within this verse it is finished. My sermon is appropriately titled, It is Finished. And so we're going we're gonna to ask some natural questions about this. Okay, what is finished? Jesus, you said it's finished. What is finished? How is it finished? And how do we know that it's finished? And as we go through this, we're actually going to see that we have built up a debt, We have built up a debt that we cannot repay, and we needed somebody to step in and pay that debt for us. And so tonight, we're going to be looking at that. And so we're going to be uh, continuing the Gospel of John as we have all winter, and we're going to be chapter 19, verse 30. So go ahead and open your Bibles and turn there, John 19, 30. And as you're getting there, I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you a question about debt. Do you remember your first credit card? I do. I know MasterCard probably does too. (laughs) But I was a freshman at Wayne State College, and I I walked into the cafeteria, which we lovingly called the gag, and and spread out amongst all these tables were these amazing t-shirts. And I just had to have one of these things. And there's these people sitting here and filling these things out, and I'm like, what do I need to do to get one of these amazing t-shirts? They said, it's free. I was like, free? They're like, all we need is your social security number. I'm like, sign me up. <laughs> sign me up. So I filled the thing out, and I, I, I uh, got my t-shirt, which incidentally disintegrated the first time I washed it. And then a couple of weeks later, I get this credit card in the mail. And I open it up, and I look at it, and it's got this credit limit on it. And I kid you not, this is no lie, it said $800. And I had two thoughts in my head. Number one, I'm rich. (laughs) If you're a freshman at Wayne State College and you have $800 to spend, you are literally a king. (laughs) And then my my second thought was, who in their right mind would loan me $800? I don't have a job. What, What are these people thinking? But... Whatever, I took it, I used it, and it was awesome. It was free money, no consequences. So I thought, Taco Bell, yep. Godfather's Pizza Buffet after church on Sundays, yep. Something better than frozen waffles and frozen burritos in my dorm room, you better believe it. 
So I use this thing and use this thing, and I'm starting to get these bills, and I'm starting to realize, hold on a second, I can't actually like, pay this back. They want me to pay this back. Not only that, there's like this 32% interest rate that's starting to build. Yeah, you know where I'm going with this. So I hit the limit, and this thing is just building and building and building. Very quickly, I realized I have incurred a debt that I cannot pay off. I had to call home. I needed to get help. And I wonder, City Light, have you ever been there? Have you ever found yourself in debt, whether it's with a credit card company or a bank or, or just someone that loaned you something that you knew just within yourself and your own abilities you're not going to be able to pay this thing off? Well, tonight we're going to see that all of us actually owe a debt. All of us actually owe a significant debt that none of us have the ability to pay off. So we're going to have three points tonight. The debt, the payment, and the receipts. So let's go ahead and jump in. Point one is the debt. So look with me, if you will, at John chapter 19, verse 30. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. It is finished. These are the the last words that the apostle John records that Jesus said before he died on the cross. And so we know that they carry with them a, a significant amount of importance. But the question is why? What what was finished, Jesus? We see you up here on the cross. What on earth could possibly be finished other than you? Was he saying that? My life is at its end. It's finished. My my, my time here on earth has come to an end, and so it's finished. I think it it, it really probably depended, too, on who heard these words, on what they thought right? If you're one of his apostles and you're there and you hear him say that or his mom or someone there that loves him, you're thinking your hope is lost. You're thinking, oh my gosh, this is the guy that I've hoped in. This is the guy that I've, I've dropped everything I have to follow and he's just up there dying. I thought, I thought he was our Messiah. If you're one of the Jewish religious leaders there, you're probably filled with excitement and, and, and a sense of accomplishment because this is the guy that has been showing up the last three years and calling you a hypocrite. He's been the one pointing to the scriptures and saying, you don't know actually what you're talking about. I am the fulfillment of these. And so they're probably thinking, yes, finally, we get to get rid of this guy and his disciples and his followers are all just going to go away. And if Jesus just did mean, this is the end of my life, if he just did mean, this is the end of my time here on earth, they both would have been right in those assessments. But thankfully, Jesus meant a whole lot more than that. And to find that, we have to look a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper into the context. And so when, when we look at the, the original language here, the Greek, for us, this is three words. But for, uh, in Greek, it's only one word. Tetelestai, tetelestai. The, the, another way that you can uh, uh, translate that word tetelestai is paid off or completed or I'm done. So, so the word is pointing to something 
that has been finished, something deeper than, than just his life. And, and this word is in what's called the perfect tense, meaning that, that the, the truth of whatever was done goes on into eternity, that, that whatever had been accomplished was going to go on forever. And then if we look a little bit deeper, too, into the context of, of how this word was used um, in this ancient culture of Rome. So in Rome, uh, if you were to incur a debt, if you borrowed seven goats from Jedediah down the road, and, and you couldn't pay off that debt, and you couldn't do your installments, you were actually thrown in prison. And this prison is called a debtor's prison. Now, this is not a good place to be because you cannot get out if you just simply start paying, but you have to pay your whole debt off to be able to get out of this prison. So if I'm the, the primary breadwinner in my home and I get into a debt and I go to debtor's prison, I can't work to get this money. I, what am I going to do? I'm stuck in this prison. So you had to actually have someone come and pay your debt for you to get out of prison. And when the lucky ones that were able to have someone come and pay their debt, when this was paid off, what was written on their certificate of debt was to telestai. It's paid off. Completely paid off. And so this is the word that Jesus is using here on the cross. It is finished. He's pointing to something huge. He's pointing to something amazing. Now, for something to be finished, it has to be started, right? So what is it that was started that Jesus needed to come to this earth, put on flesh, and come visit us for, and die on the cross for? What, if we are debtors in a prison, what is our debt that put us there? Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin... And so death spread to all men because all sinned. So when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, way back in Genesis, they introduced sin to the world, and with sin came the consequence of death. Sin, the, death is the natural consequence of sin. And then what Paul is saying there is, and all have sinned. Every single person from Adam and Eve on, save for the person hanging on the cross, has sinned. We all have it. We've all worked up this debt. So clearly, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. And when we talk about death, this isn't just a physical death, but it's a spiritual death as well. Yes, when Adam and Eve sinned, it brought physical death upon the earth, but it also brought something worse, spiritual death, separation from God. And so that if, if something didn't make our sin right, we would live eternally separated completely from God. The Bible calls it hell. That is the consequences that were brought on by sin. That is the death that was brought on by sin. Now, for those of you who have been around the church for a while, this seems pretty elementary, right? This seems pretty, yeah, I get it, sin, we have, we've all fallen short. But I think this is important for us to grasp. This is important for us to just really think about and understand. Because if we don't understand this point, we don't understand the necessity of what Jesus did. We don't understand the necessity of why he went to the cross. And so everybody, both Christians and non-Christians, need to understand on a daily basis that they fall short and that they have a debt that they cannot repay in and of themselves.
And so our natural tendency is to push against that, right? To say, you know what, I don't need a savior. Why would I need a savior? Our culture says we can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, that we can accomplish anything that we want to as long as we set our mind to it. Why could this be any different? We, we want to deny our need for a savior. And if we're honest, this is also starting to happen in our churches. This is starting to happen in our churches. Functionally, we want to reduce our need for a savior. What is preached is Jesus simply died on the cross to show you the power of love and the lengths it will go. That he was there as our great moral teacher, showing us the power of love and showing us that true love will in fact die for you. Now this part of that is true. Romans says uh, that that the, the cross is the demonstration of God's love for his people. But here's the problem. If we only focus on the love part, we miss why we needed him to do that in the first place. Christ didn't go to the cross simply to show us he loved us. He certainly does. He loves us more than we could ever imagine. But what made that cross necessary was our sin. It was our sin. We needed something to be made right. And so it's a simple but very important distinction because simply saying that that his love for us sent him there, it, it takes some of the edge off of it. It softens it a little bit. It redirects the focus just, just a little bit. So it wasn't simply love that held Jesus to the cross, but our sin did as well. And City Light, this is what I want us to see from this point. This is the, this is the humbling part of the gospel. That it is, this is for all of us. There is no one in this room that is a little bit higher, a little bit better, a little bit more advanced in this area. Maybe you've grown up being the good religious kid, looking around to other people, thinking to yourself, you know what, they need Jesus. You know what, those people over there, they're the ones that certainly need Jesus. But the truth here is, and the truth that we cannot miss, is that Jesus did not come to give us a blueprint of how to live morally, get our lives in order, and pay the debt off for ourselves, but he came to pay the debt for us. He came to pay off everything. We all owe the same thing. So we don't come to Jesus with a payment, but with a debt. Which brings us to point two, the payment. So God in the Old Testament, in his mercy, sets up a, a system of, of installment payments to pay this debt. He sets up this sacrificial system where the livestock of his people, the livestock of Israel, can be offered in the place of the people of Israel. So the livestock that Israel depends on, that, that they get their life and substance from, and, and all these things, they sacrifice them in place. Because sin, like we said, has the same consequences. It's always death. But they could put the, 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 the livestock that they depend on in their place. And, and so what that would do is it would atone, meaning to make right, and that's an important word, we're going to swing back to that word, uh, for their sins, for a short time. It would atone for their sins. Now, a quick study um, on the atonement is important here. Uh, so before Jesus died on the cross, God dwelled, meaning he, he lived, if you will, his presence dwelled uh, with his people in the temple, in the tabernacle. Now, in this tabernacle, people could not go in there because they would die. Sinful man cannot be exposed to a holy God. They will die. Except for once a year, 
once a year on a very special day called the Day of Atonement, the high priest, after a ceremonial washing, could go into the tabernacle, into the Holy of Holies, and he could offer sacrifices for the people of Israel. He could confess the sins of the people of Israel. And that would atone for their sins for that year until the next installment was due. But the problem was, the problem with this system is that it was incomplete. It could never cover over all of their sins. Their disobedience outpaced their sacrifices and repentance. For God to be reconciled to his people, a final finishing sacrifice had to be made. So now I want to zoom in on this day, on this day that we're celebrating, this Good Friday, this crucifixion of Jesus. And, and as we do that, I'm going to read um, from uh, John and Psalms. And, and when I do that, and I did not give scriptures to be put up on the screen for a reason, is because I don't want you to look at this as a theologian trying to dissect a text. I want you to hear this, and I want you to, to feel this, and I want you to put yourself there as best as you possibly can. Imagine yourself standing there watching everything that is going down, watching Jesus' disciples scatter, watching the hypocritical religious leaders spit at him and mock him and, 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 and yell at him while his mother is quietly weeping over in the corner watching her son be nailed to a cross. Imagine seeing this happen to a man who healed the sick provided for the poor and showed compassion to people who nobody showed compassion to. So I want you to listen. And like I said, I'm going to read from John and Psalms. Close your eyes if you want to. It doesn't matter. But, but really focus in um, on, on, on what's being said here. So John 19, 16 to 30. So they took Jesus, and he went out, bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests and the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered them, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts. One part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven into one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. After, after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. 
A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now, Psalm 22, 14 to 18. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a pot shirt, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death, for dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Our debt was paid with a death, with a sacrifice. Jesus was that death. Jesus is that sacrifice. We had a debt we could never have paid. We could not replace Jesus on that cross, and so he stepped into earth and paid that debt for us. Now, I've used financial terms thus far to show our need, uh, or show our sin and our need for a Savior, but this was so much more than a simple transaction for Jesus. This was personal and painful and real. Not only that, but think about this for a second. Jesus is not a victim here. He's not a victim. He is not some weak, meek person being caught up in some weird controversy and being sent off to die, but he's giving himself willingly here. He is laying himself down. Listen to what he says in John chapter 10, verse 17 to 18. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. So Jesus goes to the cross willingly, not as a victim, but as a person that wants to atone for the people that he loves. So Jesus goes to the cross where he, where he says to Telestai, it is finished. Jesus took our sin and gave us his righteousness. So the 33 years that he was on the earth leading up to the crucifixion, he was uh, building up a bank of righteousness. And so when, when he was um, on the cross, he not only took our debt, he gave us the balance of his account. This is why this word, to Telestai, is so full. So much was finished. So much was completely finished in this moment. There is no more wanting. There's no more to do. No fringe accounts to be paid. It's completely finished forever. But the question is, why does this actually matter to us today? Why does this matter to us as we sit in our seats and, 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 and go throughout our daily lives? I think, number one, first and foremost... Why this matters the most is because if we are in Jesus, we will never taste spiritual death. If we are in Jesus, we will never experience that complete separation from God, what the Bible calls hell. But also, we're not people that are just waiting for eternity either. We're not sitting here biding our time, waiting to die to experience that eternity. It starts right now. This matters for us right now, today, today as we sit. And I think, I think this is 
this is one of those ways. How much time do we waste? How much effort do we expend trying to convince ourselves and others that we are good enough? We have this recurring thought and motivation in our minds uh, behind much of what we do that, that we need to prove ourselves. This is what pushes us to stay those few extra hours at work uh, or to be that can-do-everything supermom or, or, or this pushes us to stay a few more hours at the gym to go on, on crazy weird diets and to push and push and push until we burn ourselves out. Or on the flip side we see that, that, that we feel like we need to measure up and we get overwhelmed by it and we check out. We drown ourselves in food or Netflix or alcohol or, or social media because we, because we have an overwhelming sense that we're not good enough and we'll never reach the level of where we need to be. We believe that we need to finish things ourselves and we think we can do it and so we chase righteousness. Or we believe that we need to finish things ourselves, and we know we can't do it, and so we give up. Or we go back and forth between those two, but both are symptoms of the same problem. We are not believing that the work has been done and the debt has been paid. In our minds, we believe that Jesus finished it, but in our hearts, in our behaviors, we believe that we have to finish it. So in my life, I have struggled with a somewhat significant amount of anxiety. And, and, and this would get so bad where I would have panic attacks and, and different things like that, especially um, in a group of uh, a lot of people. And, and, and it, I, I, I tried, you know, little things that help meditation and relaxation, all these things. And it definitely took the edge off. But, but what has been the most healing and helpful thing for me as I've journeyed through this is when I realized... That at the very core, the very center of all my anxiety was insecurity. It was insecurity. What would people think? What would people think about me? I need to measure up to this. With all this pressure coming down on me, I need to stand up underneath it. And it wasn't until I surrendered that. And to be able to surrender that, I had to really believe that the work of Jesus Christ is complete. That I have nobody else that I need to stand up to, that I have nobody else, any standards that I need to meet because the work of Christ is done. When I started believing that the work of Christ in my life was completed, that insecurity and that anxiety actually started to melt away. So point two is the payment. Point three is the receipt. <clears throat> When we make a payment for something, we get a receipt, or we get proof that we paid for that. For Jesus, he got a receipt too. His receipt for the work that he did on the cross happens in a couple of days. He rose from the dead. His resurrection on Sunday is proof that what he did on Friday was valid, is proof that him dying on the cross and doing what he said he was doing is real. I could go off on that, but I don't want Gavin to be mad at me. We're just going to stop there. But the question is, what about us? What's our response? What's our receipt? What, what do we have that's proof? How, what do we have to do to have Tetelestai written on our accounts? John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world... That he gave his only son, 
that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. For the fruit of the cross to be real in our lives, for our sins to be wiped away, we need simply faith, belief. That's it. It's simple, it's straightforward, and if we're being honest, it's a little controversial and a little bit scandalous. Scandalous because we want to start putting fences up around the cross, don't we? Well, hold on. What about, what about this guy over here? He's way worse than me. You mean he can just come to the cross and, and be forgiven? Oh, what, what about her over here? She doesn't believe all the right things. You mean she can come to the cross as she is and believe that Jesus is her Lord and she'll be forgiven? This is why this is so controversial, because we find out that we're all equal and we're all bad. Our need for the cross is offensive to everybody. But once we see our need and the work of Christ on the cross, the only thing that we can do is put our faith in him. And this is true every single day. Not only for the person that's never put their faith in Jesus, but also for the person that put their faith in Jesus 50 or 60 years ago. They need to remind themselves every single day that the work, on, the work of Christ on the cross is complete, and we need to believe that. When I carry anger and unforgiveness in my heart, I tell Jesus I don't believe that he finished it. When I carry guilt and shame and I hold on to that in my heart, I tell them his work isn't complete. You didn't do what you said you were going to do. City Light, are you forgiving and gracious? Or do you hold on to your past hurts, wanting the person that hurt you to suffer? To tell us, die. It is finished. Do you beat yourself up for the things that you've done and hold on to that guilt and that shame? To tell us, die. It is finished. When it's finished, it takes the focus off of us and our expectations and our hurt and our pain. And it puts it squarely on the cross, squarely on Jesus, where it should be. In conclusion, the reality is the message of the cross is, in fact, good news. It's pain, it's suffering, it's messy, it's hard, but it is such good news. Without the cross, we're still separated from God. Without the cross, we're still forced to live in anxiety, wondering if we're ever going to measure up. But with the cross, we can have confidence that if we have faith in Jesus, our debt has been completely paid. It will never be less paid or more paid. It is completely paid off. We don't have to live in captivity anymore. We don't have to live insecurely anymore, but can rest in the fact that Jesus has paid our debts completely. Now, City Light, I don't know how you came in tonight, what your expectations were, where your heart was, but I want to challenge you to take something home with you tonight. I want to challenge you to take this question home and wrestle with it tonight, and it's this. At what level am I believing 
that it's finished? At what level am I believing that it's finished? Maybe for you, this is the first time that you've really been confronted with what Jesus did on the cross. And I would encourage you to take that last step of what we just talked about. Place your faith in Jesus. You are my Lord. You are my King. I'm placing my faith in you. And then have confidence that what he did on the cross was enough for you and your debt has been paid. Maybe you have taken that step. Maybe there are areas in your life in which you're telling Jesus that you feel like you still need to finish. Maybe there are areas of insecurity in your life that you're holding on tightly to, that you're not ready to let go of, and you're telling Jesus your work on the cross just wasn't enough. I would encourage you to surrender that, to have faith that he in fact did what he said he would do. City Light, would we be a church that's not marked by anxiety and performance, but peace and patience, knowing that it is, in fact, finished? Let's pray. Lord, you are so good. To think about the sacrifice that you made for us, I don't know that we're ever going to completely understand that, but Lord, we can know and we can rest in the confidence that you, in fact, completed the work that you came to do. That if we would surrender our lives and follow you in every area, we would have eternal life and we would have our debts paid. So Jesus, I pray for everyone in this room. Would they wrestle with that tonight? Would, would they think, at what level do I believe that it's finished? And Jesus, we just thank you and, and pray that, that as we get ready to celebrate your resurrection this weekend, we remember what you did, how you did it, and that it is indeed finished. In Jesus' name, amen.